This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 122, with David Morgan. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and on today's show I'm honored to be joined by David Morgan. David Morgan is a widely recognized analyst in the precious metals industry and consults for hedge funds, high net worth investors, mining companies, depositories and bullion dealers. He is the publisher of the Morgan Report and has authored a number of books, including The Silver Manifesto with Chris Marchese, and most recently, Second Chance with David H. Smith. David Morgan is also a featured speaker at investment conferences in North America, Europe, and Asia. He has been interested in money and finance from a very early age. His background in engineering with an advanced degree in economics and finance gives David a unique perspective to the financial markets that pure business majors often miss. He applies the discipline of logic to verify the basics of economic law. David Morgan has appeared on CNBC, Fox Business, BNN, and TV stations in Hong Kong and Singapore. His work has been published in numerous places, both mainstream and otherwise. The Morgan Report covers money, metals, and mining, and helps investors profit in these turbulent times. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MCLobsher or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at JoinOpsProperties.com. Globally, coffee is a $90 billion industry and international coffee farms offers a sustainable income opportunity through offshore sustainable agriculture. You can own a parcel of your very own cash-flowing specialty coffee farm in Panama. For more information on this income opportunity, you can download your free report at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Panama. Listeners of the Cashflow Ninja can grab a free audiobook download from Audible when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free audiobook download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. David, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey with my listeners? Yes, I'll try not to be too long-winded. Basically, I don't know where to start, but I'll start at the beginning. When I was 11 years old, the coinage changed from uh, silver, uh, which is 90% silver coins, in 19, up through including 1964. And in 1965, they were minted uh, as cupro nickels. In other words, they were mostly copper with nickel plating. And I saw this. And I thought about it, and it intuitively hit me as an 11-year-old that uh, this was uh, 
not equal to a silver quarter. So at that time, I, you know, I didn't really think that much about it. And as time went on, I got in the eighth grade and learned about the Constitution and that, you know, you could only use gold and silver in payment of debt at the state level. I basically questioned my teacher, and that's where I learned, uh, MC, that we are in a situation where it could snow inside. I mean, she gave me an answer that was snowing me. I didn't know what the snow job was, but I do now. And so I just had this fascination with money and finance and business and how you had an opportunity in the American system and others that you could actually own a business by by participating in the shares of a company. You were part owner of this company. And that fascinated me. So at 16, I was pulling on my dad's coattails, so to speak, and said, Dad, I want to get involved. And so under the Uniform Gift to Minors Act, because I wasn't 18, I couldn't really sign a legal contract. But under the United Uniform Gift to Minors Act, your parents can say, yeah, my son, my daughter, uh, I give them permission to uh, under the age of 18 to indulge in, you know, financial investments. And so I started investing at 16. And one thing led to another, and it basically ended up where I've always wanted to be, which is to write an independent, no one controls us, financial newsletter that looks at the macro economy and drills down into the resource sector. So I'm a big picture guy that looks at the whole scene and then where do we need to be with part of your portfolio under the current economic conditions on a global basis. Very interesting. Now, touching on from a macro perspective, what is your views currently on global equity markets and the global economy? Uh, markets are at all-time highs at the time of recording in the United States. What do you see? What, uh, what's going on there? Absolutely, completely, and thoroughly a total disconnect. There is, at one time, and there is supposed to be a correlation between the strength of a stock market and the strength of the physical economy. In other words, they go hand in hand. If you have a very high stock market, that means you've got a very high business activity. You've got everybody working more or less. Uh, you've got happiness through the sector. Money doesn't equal happiness, but in a lot of cases it can. And so you have a correlation. We have a disconnect, which means that we have a very high number in the DJI and other markets across the globe. And we have a physical economy that keeps contracting. If you look at the Baltic Dry Index as one good, clear example that you really can't fudge the numbers, what you see is the amount of shipping around the world has drastically reduced over the last several years, which means that the amount of trade of goods has actually gone down. And, of course, we have some food shortages and weather problems and, you know, discontent throughout the Middle East. And, I mean, Libya is a complete mess. And, I mean, there's lots of entropy. That's a engineering term. Fancy word just means more disorder. So we're seeing more disorder not only through the financial system but on the ground in the physical economy. And yet we see, let's say, the powers that be or the mainstream financial channels and news medias pointing to these lofty numbers, smiles on their faces, saying, see, look, it looks great, does it? Doesn't it? And, of course, the reality is it does not. No, it surely is interesting. And, I mean, if you look at the re recovery, too, and what, what's been going on in the banking system, I've just looked at what what's happening with Deutsche Bank and the Italian banks, and there seems to be a lot of trouble uh, that that kind of had a bailout on its own. What do you see? What's what's happening in in that arena? 
Well, first of all, I'm going to get a bit philosophical here, but you know, the reality in the world that we all live in, believe it or not, there is absolutely nothing more powerful than the truth. And the truth is that you cannot print wealth. And the truth is that you can't get out of debt by going further into debt. I mean, these are such basic concepts. And yet the powers that be, again, are telling us all we need to do is borrow more and the Greek problem is going to go away. The Italian banks will become solvent again and that we're going to have a more prosperous physical economy. I mean, a six-year-old can understand that this won't work. And yet, again, we see the bankster class telling us that uh, we don't know what we're talking about. They do. They're in charge. Shut up. Sit down. Let us borrow more money and everything's going to be fine at the end of the day. Now, we cannot have a discussion about the economy and markets without touching on Donald Trump's presidency in the United States. There's definitely a sense of uncertainty here from where I'm looking at it because he's squarely up against the deep state. What do you think uh, will happen in the next four years? Um, Will we be seeing an investment in the infrastructure, a tax reform, repealing of regulations, a repeal and reform of Obamacare and the health insurance program? And does he succeed and... Or, you know, does he not succeed because of the forces that he's squarely up against? Oh, great question. All of the above and not succeed. So I'll try to break it down. You outlined quite a bit, and all of them were great points. So overall, what we're going to see is a lot of reform. You're going to see less regulation. You're going to see lower taxes. You're going to see infrastructure spending. You're going to see fiscal policy, not monetary policy, which means you're going to see actual payment comes into the back pockets of the middle class. So people are going to get more jobs. There's going to be more work. And it's going to be what I'm calling, and I think others may have coined it. I'm not claiming that I coined it, but this Trump euphoria for a while. How long will that go? The answer is no one knows. I'm guesstimating perhaps a year, year and a half. And so there'll be an overall uh, pendulum swing back to the right from the left. There'll be more jobs, more enthusiasm, and kind of a feel-good situation. But the reality is that it was a metaphor that I used when I was asked this question before the election in Canada at the Minds of Money show. And the answer I gave was that it's similar to uh, changing the captain on the Titanic. We have already hit the iceberg and we're taking on water. But this new captain takes over and free drinks, uh, more lively music. Steerage comes up on the deck. Uh, Let's party hardy. Everything's looking good. So the people are kind of oblivious to the reality of the ships going down because the party's gotten better than ever before and everyone's starting to feel good again. So that's my metaphor. I hope it's making sense because that's exactly how I see it. So by the end of the four years, and that was part of your question, I think we're going to get this euphoria for a while and reality will set in that one You can't print your way out of this. You cannot borrow enough to get out of this. And that the velocity of money will pick up. And this is where it's going to get tenuous. Because interest rates will be forced up by the market, not by the Federal Reserve. They are followers, not leaders. And so there'll be a point psychologically where people start to think, you know what? Things felt really good a year ago. I was making more money, you know, paying down my debt. But now I'm starting to worry that food prices are getting away from me and that type of a thing. So there isn't a point in time where it will take place, but I'm pretty certain 
that before the four-year term is completed, that there will be this push into the real inflation where people that see prices going up, which is not the correct definition, but that's how people relate to it, will say, you know what, something's going awry here. And that's where you're going to see this start into the final leg of the precious metals, because people that understand what's happening will seek safety and they'll seek trust. And there's nothing safer or more trustworthy than a monetary metal, or metals, I should say, that have been proven to hold their value for thousands of years. And that ties into my next question. What is uh, happening in the commodity markets and specifically the gold and silver markets? And at what stage, you said a little bit, you know, maybe after the euphoria wears off, where do you see it going um, in the in the four years? Well... You know, there's nothing more important than the commodities market. Certainly, I'm a big stock market fan and new ideas and new businesses, and I look at it carefully. But commodities are what you need. I mean, you need food. You need, you know, metals, base metals, you know, precious metals. I mean, silver, you need gold. You can argue you don't need it. but And so what I see in the commodity sector is, number one, energy is the most important commodity of all because without energy, you, the world doesn't rotate. In other words, energy makes the world go round. And we've had cheap energy for a very long time, and we continue to have cheap energy. I think within the four-year time frame, we're going to have to rethink it because uh, we wouldn't be fracking, we wouldn't be doing tar sands, we wouldn't be doing these type of things if oil was as abundant as some of uh, the people that have a counter view to mine uh, advocate. In other words, there was just gushing oil everywhere. You wouldn't have to do these deep drilling sites. So energy is a concern over that, that time frame. And they, I think over that four-year time frame, uh, there will be price pressure to the upside in the general uh, energy markets, which primarily means oil. So that's number one. Number two is that the corporate farms use more energy than they produce. In other words, if you look at today's energy prices, depending on whose study you look at, it takes five calories of energy to produce one calorie of food. At $147 a barrel of oil, it's like 10 calories of energy to produce one calorie of food. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that equation doesn't work forever. So the corporate farm thing has to be rethought, and very few people even know it or talk about it. So on the ag side, I think food and water are going to be increasingly important on a global basis, and certainly they are in a lot of areas of the world, but it's kind of downplayed. I mean, the Arab Spring was talked about, and... And it, it happened, and it's sad. And it, and the point is that really it was over food, not politics. But if you listen to the mainstream uh, press, the quote-unquote news that we get, what they're telling you is there's a political unrest. Well, when you're hungry, the other's political unrest. So that's kind of my view on the agricultural side of the commodity sector, the energy side of the commodity sector. And now I'll move into the the metal side of the of the commodity sector, and that is going to put more and more pressure into the precious metals because basically, again, it's a trust, safety, or confidence issue. So the whole monetary system is based on confidence, and it is a con game. It's a con game because everyone knows you can't get something for nothing, but in fact, in, in the human realm, you actually can. If you are a banker, you can get a, a note, a piece of paper, a T-bill, a T-bond, that you basically print for 
practically nothing, and you can issue it at face value and interest. And so you really are getting something for nothing. In fact, government doesn't even print their own money. It's printed by the government and sold to uh, the banking cartel headed by the Federal Reserve in the United States, and they get it for printing costs, basically, and loan it at face value. So it's a system that is corrupt from the top down. It is a tenant that is opposite to only, you know, the, the power of the truth. It's something that really is basically counterfeiting. You certainly could not do what they do without going to jail, and yet the whole system is defined by it. So these are issues that are global. They are probably one of the most important, at least from a financial perspective, anything we can discuss. And yet, even in today's Internet age where there's more information all the time, there's still a vast majority of people that are too busy struggling for that piece of paper, regardless of where they are, whether it be a euro or a peso or a pound or a U.S. dollar, to even understand what's really going on at the top levels. That's so true because the average person, a lot of them are just trying to survive. <laughs> you know, a lot of folks are, are, are stuck in a situation where the, they, they've seen the prices increasing and they're just basically working paycheck to paycheck, trying to survive and not really uh, cognizant of what is going on there and what they're seeing. Now, for my listeners that are aware of what's going on and want to start to look at investments in gold and silver, you have put some fantastic work together uh, for both of them and have um, a a piece of content called the 10 rules for silver investing. Can you share a little bit of uh, the 10 rules for silver investing with my listeners? Well, absolutely. And this was actually done in a book called investing rules several years ago. And uh, it was, I was asked to do the 10 rules and to make them pithy. And uh, I'm not known to be one of the more humorous guys around. I do have a sense of humor. It's not really <laughs> the best, but I certainly do. So I started off, I thought the, the best way to start off is just kind of get in your face and, and tell it like it is. In other words, this is a remote possibility, but it has taken place through, you know, through human history, through monetary history. So rule number one is when all else fails, there is silver. And the rule reads, no one likes to be a prophet of doom, but the simple truth is silver is the world's money of last resort. Should a severe economic collapse occur, leaving paper assets worthless, you notice I didn't just say currencies, I said assets, it could be stock, it could be bonds, it could be the whole paper class, silver will be the primary currency for purchase of goods and services. Gold will be a store of major wealth, but sell at too high a price for day-to-day use. Thus, every investor, again, every investor, should own some physical silver and store a portion of it where it's accessible in an emergency. So I just got right in their face and said, look, in the worst case scenario, which is highly unlikely, you should have some of your assets in real money that's been money from, you know, the, from the biblical times. And that's silver, more than gold, believe it or not. There's been more money transactions in silver than gold by far. More, not only more physical transactions, but far more commerce. Because gold is settlement primarily nation-state to nation-state, king to king, not the we the people that were buying, you know, food and, and uh, you know, clothing and, and that type of thing. So, so that's it. I kind of 
still um, glad that I started off with the first rule in that manner because it kind of sets the scene. Certainly, you're a doomer, you're a gloomer. No, I'm a realist. Certainly, it's happened in history, and could it happen again? In fact, when I wrote the rules, the guy that put the book together gave me a personal phone call, uh, which was not required and, and highly unusual. In fact, he started the conversation with that and stated that, uh, wow, I never thought of this before. This is outstanding. So it was kind of a little pat on the back for me, but that's rule number one. And I'll just skip around. I don't want to talk about them all. But basically, I said, look, no matter how much you believe in the metals, you don't need to have nothing but metals. There's other investments. This should be a hedge position. And if you look at the Ibbotson study, for example, and there's several others. There's one done by Harvard, and there's one done by uh, Jeff Christian recently from CPM Group. So... All these studies are objective and they point to one thing. To balance your portfolio, you need physical precious metals. And under all, all economic conditions, you have a better performing portfolio if you have the right amount of precious metals in that portfolio. You're listening to David Morgan on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. International Coffee Farms is a real estate-based specialty coffee farm ownership opportunity. You can own deeded, half-acre parcels in title, already operating specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama. They are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts with sustainable average income of 12% and with cash flow beginning in 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm goes towards a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the coffee farm workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates eight specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama, with parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a parcel owner, you can download your free income opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. You're listening to David Morgan on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and now back to our interview. What would you recommend if somebody's listening to this? What is kind of the the, the sweet spot for a, a in your to portfolio percentage of that to have in precious metals like gold and silver? I varies, so I'm going to just uh, report to you uh, what I know from these studies. Ibbotson and Associates stated about 15 percent. That's pretty much good for where we're at now in uh, the current climate that we've been talking about. If you go to Jeff Christian, I was kind of surprised because I saw Jeff do this lecture uh, at the Silver Summit uh, last year, November. So it's just a few months ago. And his number was around the 20 to 25% mark, which is where I have sedated publicly that if you're a real advocate of the metals, uh, you could probably go that high and still be comfortable because, you know, you get too much of one asset class when it starts going against you, you know, you're very uncomfortable. And I don't want anyone to be uncomfortable. You're supposed to have a balanced outlook. So that's one that's in that 20% range. So I would say anywhere from what I said in the uh, 10 rules of silver investing was 10% is a good place to be. And before the first Iraq war, way back in the Herbert Walker days, I said, I smell war coming. If you were so inclined, you could go as high as 20%. So for most portfolios, based on uh, today's latest study, you could, again, go probably that high, but no higher. And um, this is something that's impossible. I did a video called... Um, I forget the name of it, but everyone should have a little. If you Google 
uh, YouTube, David Morgan, everyone should have a little, it'll bring up this four minute video on how preposterous it is that even in rule number one that I just read that everyone should have a little silver because if everyone had a little silver, the price would go astronomically high because of the total financial picture, 0.02% of all liquid assets are invested in the silver market. Now, if you look at the gold market, it's roughly 1% of all the total financial, you know, we're talking X real estate, by the way, talking all about the stocks and the bonds Globally, so we're talking about all world debt based, basis nation states, Russian debt, you know, uh, Japan debt, US debt, Canadian debt, et al., all of it, and their equity markets all combined. If you take all that and give it a number, then 1% of that number is in the gold market, physical gold market. But 0.02% of that number is in the physical silver market. Doesn't that blow your mind? That really does. And I mean, if you're listening to this, the listeners out there, silver is still affordable. You know, some folks might feel that gold is out of their reach. But as you said, just uh, to have a little bit of silver um, in there as the the money of lost resort is a fantastic uh, hedge uh, against any currency devaluation. Absolutely. I mean, it's more volatile than gold. I fully admit that. And again, if you just do the right amount, uh, you know, you can sleep well at night. The problem that I've run up against more than once is that people hear the silver story, hear the deficit that we had for 16 years, and they get a little bit of information. And there's a lot of, let's say, misinformation or facts that are misconstrued out there on the Internet. And so they get this idea that silver is a no-lose proposition, and they bet the farm on it. And certainly, I've never advocated that. It's been in print. It's been not only in print, but it's been on almost every show that I've done from day one. But nonetheless, I can't control people, nor do I wish to. I'm free market. But but people overload uh, at times, and then they're looking for a scapegoat. It was, you know, me that told them to do it, or, you know, they listened to such and such on the radio or read such and such website or whatever, rather than, you know, take a deep breath, look at the big picture, perhaps get um, some more education and realize that, you know, 15% is probably a good place to be or start small. I mean, that's one of the, one of my rules. I'm going to read that because um, I'm going to, because I, I thought this through way back in the beginning. I mean, if people say, Oh, I listen to you and I, I follow everything you do. Well, they never looked at the 10 rules of silver investing because it says number two, probably the second most important rule, start small, keep it simple. Too many investors, upon deciding to beef up the metals portion of the portfolio, buy too much physical silver at once and in the wrong forms, beginning metals investors to concentrate on pure bullion bars or coins in smaller sizes, looking to pay a minimum premium over actual metal value, avoid commemorative coins, decorative items, jewelry, and other collectibles. So, I mean, I can't get more gut, honest, truthful, and trying to help people for free than that. I mean, I know I'm talking about myself here, but you know what? I'm talking straight from the heart here. It wasn't me that ever said, you know, go out and buy everything that you can, borrow everything you can, put all in the silver market. No, absolutely. And you do put fantastic information out to your book, Second Chance, How to Make and Keep Big Money from the Coming Gold. And Silver Shockwave is also a fantastic read with some fantastic education in there. And there's already a lot of things happening that we've seen just uh, recently last year in October. It was October 1st. The Chinese yuan is now in the, the, the currency basket for the SD, called the SDR for the IMF. So there's already things happening in motion um, that is 
is going to impact to the global financial system and monetary system that changes every 40, approximately around every 40 years. Exactly. The second chance book is aimed primarily at the retail investor. Unfortunately, too many people get uh, married to their investments and they'll do what's called a full ride, which means they can buy stock X and they watch it go up tenfold and they hold it and watch it come all the way back down to where they bought it. I mean, this is not what you're supposed to do as an investor. So these are assets that are, are undervalued right now. And you need to buy stuff when it's undervalued. And when it becomes fair valued, uh, you're in good shape if you buy it undervalued. But when it gets overvalued, and I think the metals and the underlying resource stocks that we teach, follow, and uh, you know, comment on in the Morgan Report are going to get extreme valuations. Because when you get in a situation like the political structure where it swings so far one direction, when it starts to swing the other direction, you're going to see you know, huge changes. I think that's a good metaphor for what will take place in the gold and silver space this time because of the global market and we have the internet. So communications will be sped up to almost instantly. And there's all these sites on the web where you can purchase physical metal. So there's going to be a rush into the physical metal, I think, that has never, ever taken place in human history, which means it's possible that we may get shortages in the ability to deliver which will spill over into the underlying mining equities. And I saw it happen in a short uh, time span in a very minor way in the 1980s, where anything with gold and silver in its name on the stock exchange went up astronomically during the last leg of the bull market. I think we'll see that again. So anything that's associated with gold and silver. And let me caution the, re- the listeners here, because it's important. When we get into this panic, manic, buying frenzy that I see ahead of us, be very careful. This is when you are going to see a lot of uh, promotional equities come out in your face that will be in all modalities, meaning, you know, the mobile phone system, you know, everyone with their smartphone, and of course on the web itself, and radio and TV, and these are all going to be pretty, most of them are going to be scams. I'll just be honest, I'll tell it like it is, because these people that work in that uh, unethical side of all financial markets are going to see an opportunity to cash in big time and get rich fast. In other words, this will be, so you've got to be very, very careful. You want to be positioned now. You want to have a right balance now. You want to take a deep breath and just prepare for what's possible ahead and relax. And you really don't want to get, you know, hung up in this, you know, some of the stuff that will come on at the very top of the market. In fact, that will be one of the major things that I'll be looking for to tell me that it's time to get my people out in an overvalued market. Very interesting. Now, David, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skills. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? Well, I've taught my daughters to be a lifelong learner. It's, I think learning is just one of the most exciting things about life. Um, just to get a bit philosophical, what I'm studying primarily right now is fintech, financial technology, uh, the Bitcoin and the subsets of that type of idea where we might be able to escape the banking system and still have transactions in honor of the electronic world or perhaps even backed by physical metal. I am friends with a gentleman that started a, a physical silver and gold uh, debit card 
where you have a physical metal on deposit, but yet it works in the electronic world. So it's sort of a hybrid between owning physical metal, but using it in the already existing physical realm, or excuse me, in the digital realm with a debit card. Uh, so that's an area that I'm studying a great deal. Another is um, you know, what will be the next coming investments and I don't know that but I've I'm, you know, got my feelers out ahead you know are there breakthrough energy technologies that are out there uh, are there uh, educational uh, channels that people can get into for basically next to nothing and get a skill set that they need in this very highly evolving world that's coming at an ever and ever faster pace uh, how can I contribute more to the millennials how can I get my message more to the millennials what can I do differently that engages more people and resonates with more people that they understand that not only do they need self-responsibility for everything in their lives education health uh, their personal relationships, but what it means to be real again. Sure, I've got nothing against Facebook. I have a Facebook page, but you know, there's a difference between an electronic relationship and looking somebody in the eye. And that's why we still have a lot of these uh, investment uh, seminars where people actually physically fly and get to the location and you get to meet with them face to face. There's still something in that human relationship, I'll call it human touch if I might, to that that is so different than just an electronic format that uh, and I think some of our, and this is my belief, I can't prove it, but I think that a lot of the younger people are missing out on what it means to be real. No, I couldn't agree with you more. It, we definitely have lost uh, that that touch and that uh, ability to communicate with each other, and that's definitely something that I think as it goes away a little bit right now, I think it's going to come back again because we do we do crave interaction with other people um, in, in many many different ways, and I think uh, it eventually will come back around again. Absolutely. Again, you know, I've overused the metaphor, but how things ebb and flow up and down, black and white. Uh, there's really a, a lot of people call it a duality of life. I think it's actually a threefold system, but regardless of my philosophy, I think we're coming back the other direction. I remember you know, meeting people on the web and then getting to meet them uh, in person and how excited I was because I'd already built a relationship, but it was kind of an intellectual and in your head only. And there's just something about, uh, you know, actual people. They're fascinating, you know. I mean, I love people. I mean, certainly not everyone loves me. I get it. But uh, it's fun. And it's it's meaningful. And these are deep relationships. I mean, a Facebook relationship is a relationship, but a real meaningful relationship for those people that you break bread with, the people that you attend uh, things with, you go to sports events, you do sports, you do a hike together, whatever. So I think we've... In a way, and I say we collectively, meaning the, the system at large, has shortchanged our young people in some ways. That uh, just the idea of doing a solid, solid day's physical labor can be a reward in and of itself, knowing you've pushed yourself to do something that perhaps in the morning you didn't want to do, but at the end of the day, you've accomplished something so meaningful, and you've got that, what I call that physical good tiredness, that you know that as a human, you've accomplished something worthwhile, meaningful for yourself. And this is something that, you know, I see lacking in the... Um, you know, in the coffee shop, uh, text tweet world that we now exist in. 
No, exa- exactly. And a, a core message in our show is to leave our families and communities and a, the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Well, I would say number one is, as I said earlier in your show, and thanks again for having me on. It's been one of my favorites so far, honestly. It's been great. And that is there's nothing more powerful than the truth. So one, as the Oracle of Delphi said, to thine own self be true. And I'm going to go, I'm going to add on to that. If you look at basically the two founding principles of the United States of America, there's really only two. Number one is to do everything you say you're going to do, which is the basic of all contract law. When I said, MC, I'm going to be on your show at this time, that's a verbal contract. But nonetheless, it's a contract. And if you don't fulfill your side or my side, we've broken a contract with each other. And number two is not to infringe on the rights of anyone else, which is the basis of most criminal law. Because, you know, if I paid you to be on the show and I have it, but, you know, if there's some... Um, mechanism that's involved that could uh, be damaged, uh, then that's uh, that's considered a second law. So we need to get back to basics. We need to get back to individuals, uh, and I'll throw out Gandhi here, you know, be the change you wish to see. I mean, if you are true to yourself and your values cannot be compromised, where you can look somebody in the eye, shake their hands, and your word is good, I think that's where it all starts. And I think and this is a philosophical question for the ages. You know, are people intrinsically good? Or are they intrinsically bad? Well, they're intrinsically human is what they are. And most people have their own self-interest at heart. However, you can, in a free market, live the paradox, which means you can have your own self-interest at heart and still benefit someone else at the same time. I would use this interview as an example. I got to know you better. You got to know me better. And the people who listen to this, some will value it and some won't. But nonetheless, we've actually benefited each other because you get to, uh, you know, some of the people in my circle of influence say, well, this guy is awesome and want to learn more about you and, and what you do. And on the other side, they will want to learn more about me and what I do. So there is this connection. And I think it's meaningful. It doesn't have to take, be taken seriously at all levels. But there has to be some very direct communication that basically gets people to understand how powerful they really are. And they're, as I was taught, you're as good as anybody, but you know better than anyone else. I think that's a kind of philosophical attitude that I'd like to instill. No, and that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I I definitely see that too. And I think that a lot of people are starting to realize just, you know, that they can be powerful. They can empower themselves. And as you mentioned before, through uh, in the interview, just by a lifelong learning, because knowledge still knowledge is not only the new currency, but it is still is power out there. And especially in from in the information age, extremely powerful. Couldn't agree more. And I'll just add on to that a bit. I mean, I sign off my newsletter every month and have from day one that you know, wishing you health above wealth, because wealth alone is not an end. And without health, you really can't enjoy it. So I wish you health beyond, you know, health above wealth. It's more important to me to have a good health than wealth. And wisdom beyond knowledge. And the reason I use wisdom beyond knowledge is wisdom is actually implementing the knowledge and learning how the world works and working with the world. That's 
wisdom. Knowledge in and of itself is just knowledge. I mean, most people know how to eat correctly, but unless they apply it or take the action that's required, the knowledge really doesn't benefit them. So I'm, is knowledge power? And I'm more like, well, applied knowledge is power. Uh, so anyway, and then I'm not trying to interfere with you. You want to comment on my comments? No, no, I agree with you. That is, I mean, it's knowledge isn't powerful just by itself, but implementing, as you said, no, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. Uh, David, how can my audience learn more about you and your company, your newsletter, uh, podcasts, and all of the other projects that you're involved with? Certainly. The best thing to do is just go to the main website, which is themorganreport.com. It's just one word, themorganreport.com. Get on our free email list. Uh, it's over on the right-hand side. Just do the first name and your primary email, and we'll send you a, a lot of information. You'll be given our weekly updates for free. And you'll stay in tune with a lot of opportunities that we have. We teach people how to cash flow gold and silver. We have uh, two books that uh, they could certainly get uh, their, their money's worth. I mean, uh, the Silver Manifesto and the Second Chance books are uh, reviewed quite uh, highly on Amazon. Just check it out. If you want to purchase one, just go to Amazon and check it out and read what others have said about those books and see if those res- you know, those. Uh, those comments resonate with you or not. And then uh, if you're more serious than that, after you're on the free list, we offer uh, two basic services. One's the premium service where I outline not only a monthly newsletter that's electronic in form and you can print out on your own, but I do updates with the video camera and show you exactly what I'm looking at throughout the spectrum, which means the U.S. dollar, the bond market, the currency markets, uh, the global uh, st- uh, equity markets, debt markets, the precious metals, and specific stocks that we follow. Fantastic. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge. This has been a fantastic experience, and i uh, looking forward to meeting you in person. Well, same here, and thank you for giving me your time. I appreciate it. Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining my guest, David Morgan, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit jointopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314 799 
Coffee is a proven product and a $90 billion industry worldwide. Through international coffee farms, you have a chance to own and operate your own half-acre parcels in a specialty coffee farm in Panama, professionally turnkey managed for you. You can download your coffee farm ownership opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 